Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word... We know we're not going to make it to heaven because we've been good enough. If you have a realistic view of who you are, you know that you won't make it on your merit. You won't make it because you served enough, you gave enough, you were gifted enough, you were talented enough, you prophesied, you had this gift, that talent. None of that will matter. Everyone that makes it to heaven is going to make it because the blood of the Lamb washed our sins away. Amen. This is liberating truth, right? I can't be good enough. I don't have to be good enough. The blood of the Lamb is good enough. There are so many pressures that we face on a day-to-day basis. We're constantly bombarded with the impossible standards that we're all failing to achieve. No matter what you do, no matter how hard you try, The goalposts always seem to be that much further out. In today's message, Pastor Bill reminds you how refreshing it is to recognize that Jesus met the impossible standard of perfection for you. He sacrificed his life so that you could have eternal life and peace with God. He paid the price so that you could live. Now here's Pastor Bill in the book of Revelation chapter 12 as he continues his message, Defeated Devil. What does Satan do? He deceives the whole world. He's a liar. How does he deceive the whole world? I want you to just think on that. How does the devil deceive the whole world? That means that he may have some sway on information that goes out and how it's told. He's not looking at deceiving two or three people. He's deceiving the whole world. You guys, later on, we're going to see after Satan is bound for a thousand years, when he's released, you know what he comes immediately to do? He goes to deceive the nations. I'm not trying to deceive neighbors. I'm deceiving nations is what he comes back to do. So we need to be careful as believers, right? If Satan is deceiving the world, I got to consider how does he do that? He may use media. He may use education. He may use books. He may use false religions. Doesn't matter what he uses. What's my defense against being deceived with the world? God has given us the book, you guys. God has given us the living word of God. This is the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the light. And so my victory over the enemy, how I stay wise to the schemes, the tricks, the lies, the deception is to stay rooted and grounded in the truth of the word of God. And that's why we are pressing the body, encouraging the body and even challenging the body. Read the Bible every day, please. Let's stay rooted and grounded in the word of God. Let's study it chapter by chapter and book by book so we can know it really well because This is what's going to keep me victorious against the schemes, the lies, the strategies, the tactics. When the whole world is saying this is the way we should do it, the believer's going to say, no, that's not what Jesus said. And the world's going to say, oh, that book is old and archaic. And we're going to say, no, it's living and it's powerful and it's supernatural and it can save your soul. And I know you have a Ph.D., but I disagree with you. Know that there are educated fools out there. The Bible says that the foolishness of God is wiser than the wisdom of men. I mean, God's like, if I had a dumb day, I'd be wiser than the wisest, wise person out there. But he has no dumb day. He's all knowing and all powerful. And so Satan comes to deceive the whole world. Then it says the last part of verse nine, he was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. And so they were kicked out. And I want you again, this is another defeat. It wasn't like they were asked to leave polite. They were kicked out. And I want you to just keep this in mind. If you get kicked out of somewhere, it means I wanted to be there. And someone with more authority and more power didn't let me. 
Anybody here ever been kicked out of somewhere? Maybe kicked out of a club because you got unruly? I'm sure somebody listening has been kicked out. Usually if you watch someone getting kicked out, they don't want to go, you know? If you watch a guy being kicked out of a club, he's being grabbed and dragged by big burly bouncers. He's not going willfully. He's being taken by someone stronger with authority that says, get out, you're done here. That's essentially what Michael and his angels do to Satan and his angels. They grab him. Someone more powerful says, get out. You can't be here anymore. He's kicked out and cast to the earth. Verse 10 now. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before God day and night has been cast down. And so John hears this voice from heaven, a loud voice, and it's saying, look, salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. And he says, look, for the accuser of our brother, this is one of the names of Satan. Pay attention to it. The accuser of our brethren, look at what he does, who accuse them before God day and night. It says he has been cast down. So one of the things that Satan does hear this believer is he accuses the brethren day and night. So one thing I would encourage is that as believers, we don't want to pick up this characteristic. Amen. Um, as I look at the devil and say, wow, he accuses people day and night. I don't want to take on that kind of character. I don't want to be the believer that's accusing people all the time. That's pointing out everybody's mishaps and mistakes because that's Satan's character. If you take a room full of believers, everybody's got flaws. Don't make it your job to be the believer to point them out. That's what Satan does. Satan accuses people. And here's the thing. It's not even that he's lying. He could accuse everyone listening before God with something true. Everybody think last seven days, anything you did wrong, anything you didn't do that you should have done, that you did do that you shouldn't have done. Satan is there saying, look at what he did. Look at what he did. Look at what it is true. It's true. You did do that. You did do that this week. All of you. Shame on you. You did all that stuff he said. Right. But I got good news for you. I got great news for you. You got a great attorney. Jesus at law, Jesus at that law. So Hebrews 7, 25 says that he lives, he ever lives to make intercession for you. And so while Satan is there all day saying he did it, she did it, they did it. I saw him. Look at it. Jesus is there saying, no, nope, it's washed away in the blood, washed away in the blood, washed away in the blood, making intercessions for us. Day and night, we're working him out, too. Some of y'all are working him out over time and y'all need to stop it. But. It's encouraging to know that we're covered, but he's there accusing, accusing, accusing. And the Lord is there washing and washing and forgiving and cleansing. Something we need to take from this, because if Christ's character is going to be formed in you, maybe you're a believer and you feel really good about the transformed life that you're living. And this happens. And then you begin to look down on those that are not as transformed as you think you are. We want to be careful about having that sort of a flavor to us as believers. We want to help people out. You know, it doesn't mean that we can't call people on some stuff and love and, you know, seek to help a brother out. But if you tend to be the believer that just, man, you can see the wrong in everybody but yourself, you probably should spend more time in the word because this is what happens. I promise you, the more time you spend in the word, which the Bible says is a mirror. 
The more aware you will be of your own flaws, the less concerned you will be with the flaws you see in other people. So if I'm looking up, if I spend time in the word, I'm like, man, I got so much work to do. And then you come by and I see some blemish on you. I got a mole, a blemish, a burp. But I got I'm dealing with myself today, sir. You know, I'm not going to be as concerned with accusing you. I'm trying to get myself together. That's really the goal. The word is to bring about personal transformation and eventually we can reach out and help somebody else out. But be careful about taking on the character of Satan who accuses, uh, condemns and brings down. Condemnation is different than conviction. Condemnation just makes you feel bad, makes you want to quit. Condemnation to have you walk away from the Lord. Conviction will draw you back to God. Conviction will say, oh, man, I hate what I did. God, forgive me. God strengthen me. God help me to do better. But conviction of the Holy Spirit will just draw you back to Jesus with a heart that feels more like his heart feels with a mind that sees a thing God's way that you begin to hate what he hates and love what he loves. Conviction will do a great work. Condemnation will just beat you down and have you say, I quit. I can't. I'll never be. I'll never be good enough. You know, And so be careful about being the accuser. And maybe you've been accused by someone and they got you feeling condemned and want to quit. Be careful about giving ear to that. Let conviction have its perfect work. Conviction will not let you continue in sin, but it'll have you turn into God for forgiveness and strength to overcome, not just to quit and give up. So but Satan, the accuser of our brethren who accused them before God day and night, he has been cast down. Verse 11. And this is a key verse in this chapter. Hear this. And they overcame him. By the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. Now, again, I titled the chapter Defeated Devil, and he's been defeated at every point, defeated in his attempt to try to stop the Messiah from being born, defeated in the attempt to try to kill the Messiah after he was born, defeated in his attempts, his many attempts to kibosh Israel and just wipe out the nation, kiboshed in his attempt, kicked out of the heavenly scene, him and his angels booted out by Michael and his crew. Now they're here. They're no longer able to come and accuse the brethren day and night. And then it says here, how do the believers overcome? Well, I'm seeing God is winning every battle. Satan is getting thumped out everywhere. But how does the believer overcome? It says, and they overcame him. The believers then overcame the enemy by the blood of the lamb. And I got to stop and talk about that. This is so important. It might be the most important thing I say. If you tune me out, tune in and hear this. Believers overcame the enemy, the work of the enemy. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb. And it says the word of their testimony. They love their lives to the end. Blood of the lamb. Why is that important? For this reason, it's nothing that they did. The blood of the lamb, that's nothing you did. Amen. You have nothing to do with the blood of the lamb. How do I overcome by something that I had nothing to do with? And God says, look, they overcame by the blood. of the, They overcame by what I did on the cross. Believers overcome by what Jesus did. We believe in him. We believe in the finished work of Christ on the cross. And if it's believing in that, that brings us into the place of victory. They overcame the enemy. By the blood of the lamb. And so will you. If Satan's accusing you day and night, how do you overcome that? By the blood of the lamb. Because what does the blood of the lamb do? Washes me. Washes you. Amen. We know we're not going to make it to heaven because we've been good enough. If you have a realistic view of who you are, you know that you won't make it on your merit. You won't make it because you served enough. You gave enough. You were gifted enough. You were talented enough. You prophesied. You had 
this gift, that talent, none of that will matter. Everyone that makes it to heaven is going to make it because of the blood of the lamb to wash our sins away. Amen. This is liberating truth, right? I can't be good enough. I don't have to be good enough. The blood of the lamb is good enough. And I overcome and you overcome and they overcame by the blood of the lamb. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe there's no way to save me. There's no hope for me except you and the blood of the lamb. What you did for me, what that does to us, it makes us all equal. There's no super saints. I'm the spokesman, but I'm not a big deal. Jesus is the big deal. I got to come in just like you with the blood of the lamb. They say at the cross of Christ, there's equality because everybody at the foot of the cross needs the same thing. Rather, you were a drug addict, a white collar criminal, a pretty square non-believer. We come to the foot of the cross and we all need the same thing. The blood of the lamb to wash away our sins. There's equality there. There's a matter if you're rich or poor, successful, unsuccessful. At the foot of the cross, we all need it, the blood of the lamb. And we overcome through the blood of the lamb. And so I just wanted to hammer that point home to us that there's something you're going to grab a hold to. The blood of the lamb of God to wash away your sins. There isn't anything greater ever been done for us than that. And we should put our faith in him and his finished work and what that means for every believer. So it says they overcame him, number one, by the blood of the lamb. Then it says, and by the word of their testimony. It's important that because obviously Jesus died for the sins of the world, but everybody's not saved. His blood was shed for everybody, but it's those who put their faith in him, those that confess him to be Lord, the word of their testimony. I'm testifying that Jesus died for my sins, rose from the grave, and I put my faith in him. The blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. We have to believe and agree. It says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so we're believing, we're confessing, we're there, we're saying, God, I believe this. You know, some people when they're sharing their testimonies can really glorify, you know, the past. And, you know, some of us have, you know, gnarly testimonies. Some people have much grim, much, much more, you know, just they got into a lot more sin than other people. And so sometimes you listen to a testimony and it's like, man, that guy was he was on crack. He shot 10 people up, robbed a bank, and wow, then he came to G. Wow, that's amazing. I just grew up in a Christian home, and I just know that I don't have a testimony. Yes, you do. Chuck Smith's longtime assistant, his right-hand guy was named L.E. Romaine. And for you guys that are familiar with him, he was kind of a hard guy. He was a military guy, you know, but he, he said this. He says, everybody has the same testimony. He says, this is everybody's testimony. He says, I was a jerk, and Jesus saved me. He said, everything else is just details. But he said, that's everybody's testimony. I was a jerk and Jesus saved me and just kind of put everybody on the same place. So it doesn't matter how far away you were from God at one point. It doesn't matter if you grew up in a Christian home. The testimony is going to be the same. The blood of the lamb. I'm testifying to the blood of the lamb that Jesus died for my sins. And that's how I'm saved. It doesn't matter how far away I was, how deep I was in the trenches of whatever. It says that they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And here's an important point. And they did not love their lives to the end. Something about loving our lives weakens us in the spiritual life and spiritual battle. If you love your life and you want to protect it and keep it, it's going to hinder you from being what God would want you to be. Jesus said, step one, if you're going to be a disciple of mine, you got to deny yourself. Take up your cross, instrument of death daily 
and then you can follow me. Jesus said, he who loves his life will lose it. He who loses it for my sake is going to find it. So we want to be careful about trying to preserve our life, keep our life, save our own lives. We want to lay it at the feet of Jesus. Jesus, my life is yours. You laid on the cross, you died, you laid it all out for me. God, you, you take this life and you do what you will with it. These people did not love their lives to the death and some of them would die for their faith, but they kept the faith. What if they love their life so much because during the tribulation period, they are threatened with death. What if they love their life so much that at the point where they were threatened with death for their testimony, they said, OK, I renege on my testimony. Give me that mark. I'm going to take the mark. I renege on my testimony. You're not going to make it like that. They had to maintain this even to the death. And so for you and I, we're not living in a tribulation period. We're not living at a point where the government is coming to kill us for our testimony of Christ. But is there ever a time when you fall back? on your testimony for Jesus? Is there ever a time where you you soften up on your love for the Lord? Is there an atmosphere? Is there a crowd of people? Is there an audience before whom you're less enthusiastic about your love for the Lord? Because I, I would challenge you if you can identify a group, a people, a place where you fall back. They didn't love their lives to the death. You're loving your life a little too much. And need to let that go. There should be no group, no person, no, no nothing, because no, no one else died for you. No one else died on the cross to save you. No one else makes available to you everlasting life and access to God here and now. And so once again, how was the enemy defeated in the life of the believer? These tribulation saints, he's defeated because of the blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony. And they're not loving their lives to the death. He'll be defeated in your life by the blood of the lamb, the word of the, your testimony. And don't love your life to the devil. Let the Lord have access to your life. Let him have his way in your life. Moving on now, verse 12 says, therefore, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he know he has a short time. And so this woe goes out during the tribulation period. It says, man, now Satan knows his time is almost Ticking out, he's coming down with great wrath. He's finna tear up. He's already doing terrible things, but imagine this period of time where Satan knows, okay, the, the clock is ticking. You got just a little bit of time. It says they're warned that he's coming down with great wrath. Verse 13, it says, Now when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman. Who's the woman again? Israel, the Jews. So during the tribulation period, Satan is cast down to the earth. He goes to persecute the woman who gave birth to the male child, Jesus. So Israel, where the Messiah came from, verse 14. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the presence of the serpent. If you take that phrase time, times and half a time, that's three and a half years. So this is what happens. Satan tries to come. I'm going to persecute this woman during the tribulation period. God says, no, you're not. And I can't explain exactly what this is here, where it says, you know, she was given the wings of a great eagle. There's volumes on what that is. I'm going to say, I don't know. God supernaturally intervenes and carries the Jews, a woman, the Jews that are alive into some place where she's going to be covered and protected from the attack and the presence of the serpent. Verse 15, so the serpent spewed out water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman. 
that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood, another attack of the enemy on Israel during the tribulation period. But the earth helped the woman and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood with the dragon spewed out of his mouth. Another failed attempt of Satan to attack Israel during the tribulation period. Verse 17, and the dragon was enraged with the woman and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now, who are the rest of her offspring? When the Jews didn't come to Christ, who did God work through after that? The Gentiles. So when he says the rest of her offspring, these are the Gentile believers now that are here. Since I can't get to you guys, I'm going to go after them. And so we just see Satan is on a tear, but he's very unsuccessful. And again, I tile the chapter defeated devil because in this chapter, everything he tried to do, he was defeated. I'm going to stop the birth of Christ. And I'm going to stop him as soon as he gets here. And I'm going to, you know, attack the child when as soon as he's born through Herod, not successful. You know, all the attacks on the Jewish people, they're still here and thriving. Here, I'm accused them day and night. You guys get out of here. You're kicked out of heaven. You're defeated. Michael and his angels defeated you guys. You guys got to be out of heaven. You can't come up here and accuse anymore. Now they're thrown to the earth and they say, OK, we're going to go after the Jews. And God says, no, I'm going to carry her away. I'm going to send a flood. God said, nope, I'll open up the earth and swallow the flood up. Well, then fine, I'll go after the Gentile believers. And they're going to be unsuccessful there as well because Satan can't defeat the Lord. He can't defeat those that belong to the Lord. So as we wrap up this chapter with all these interesting characters and symbols and signs and all of that, what is this revealing to you and me about Jesus? Get this that he is ultimately victorious. Amen. Jesus is victorious and Jesus is our victory as well. As believers, we should be humble and grateful. If you don't get anything from this message, I want you to lay hold of verse 11. He says, how did they get victory? The blood of the lamb, what Jesus did for you and for me, the word of their testimony. Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins? And rose from the grave. Do you have that testimony that I believe and I place all my faith in the finished work of Christ to forgive me of my sins, to save me from death and hell and destruction? If not, I would love as we close to pray. If you're a believer and you have this hope, I hope that you're encouraged and strengthened. I hope your faith is fortified. I hope you're ready for the battle. I hope you know that you'll continue to be victorious. I hope you know that because we're in the end of the book and you know that we're going to win. But if you're listening, you're not yet a believer. You would like to join today. You would like to give your life to Christ. You want to be a believer. You want to have your sins forgiven. Then I would love to lead you right now in a prayer asking God to save you. So would you pray with me? Pray this to God. If that is your desire, say, God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for my sins. Thank you that he rose from the grave and conquered death and sin and Satan for me. Jesus, I confess you today to be the Lord of my life. I believe you died on the cross, that you rose from the grave. I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. You receive me as your own. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me your strength to walk with you from this day on. I ask this in Jesus name. Amen. And I would just encourage anybody that prayed that if it's today for you, a step one into your relationship with the Lord. We want to welcome you to the family of God. We want to celebrate with you that the most important thing that you ever would do in your life is to give it to Jesus. 
And we would love for you to write in. Uh, you can call the church number, text the number or email us. Let us know that you gave your life to the Lord. We'd love to send you some things to encourage you in your new walk with Jesus. You've been listening to A Transforming Word. As Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through the book of Revelation, this book is entirely fascinating, if not a little bit confusing. But don't get distracted by all the strange things mentioned and lose sight of the fact that Jesus is showing himself in a mighty way through this book. The description of Jesus in this book sounds like some fierce, ultimate superhero, someone you would want to follow but might be a little afraid of, too. But Jesus is coming to redeem a broken world. Some of the ways God will go about doing this may not be fully understandable from our perspective, but that's okay. It's still worth studying and eagerly anticipating the fact that He's coming to make all things new. What a relief! If you'd like to hear this message again, or listen to more messages from our Revelation series, go to calvaryinglewood.org. If you have some questions that you'd like answered or need someone to talk to, we're happy to speak with you and try to answer those questions. Just call 310-245-4811. Once more, that phone number is 310-245-4811. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood in Inglewood, California. Thank you for spending time with us today in the book of Revelation. We look forward to our next edition of A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill. Make sure you tune in for the upcoming message as you're sure to learn more from this intriguing book of the Bible here on A Transforming Word.